Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. Today, I have Annalise on the podcast, and I'm super excited. We've recently met through the internet. Um, I'm so pumped that I continue to make friends through Instagram, but she had this fairly innocent desire to be healthy and fit, which quickly spiraled into an obsession with food and exercise. And while she never got diagnosed with an eating disorder, um, because many of her behaviors were actually hidden under the guise of health, she learned that this experience of what she went through is quite common. And today we're going to talk about our culture, dieting, uh, just eating disorders that are disguised as healthy lifestyle changes, and also include our opinions and some of our thoughts around what we believe the Bible has to say about this. So I'm super excited to have you here, Annalise. Thanks for being on A Longer Table. Thank you so much for welcoming me and just being so open to talking. Yeah. I love that you and I got to chat before, and this is what it's all about. I wanted a longer table podcast to not just be a bunch of celebrity type people, but rather everyday people that like, I might meet you, um, if we were in the same city, uh, in person and just have a conversation over a cup of coffee. So let's kind of get in. I want to know, tell us your story when, what happened around the age of 13? So when I was 13, I I am an, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram one. And that means like, I have this desire to be good and be ethical and do the right thing. And I kind of just dealt with, you know, the normal insecurities that people deal with, but nothing out of the ordinary. And I pretty innocently just thought, well, what do, you know, good people do? Good people are healthy. So what can I do to be healthy? And so I started like looking up healthy recipes on Pinterest and I was like, I'm going to start going for runs. So those things on their own are normal, healthy things to do, but my personality and culture, which we'll get more into really quickly made me go down this rabbit hole of obsession. I remember I downloaded, I have no idea how I discovered it, but I had downloaded this um, very popular calorie counting app. And for the first time I realized, oh my goodness, you can track food that you eat. Mm. And this app gives you a number. And for the record, this number, I don't want to say it, is at most half of what a normal person needs to function properly. Mm. So it's not enough food. But I was like, there's a goal. I'm going to meet that goal. And if that goal's good, what if I eat less? Eating less must be better. And so it never started as, oh, I want to lose weight so I can look good. But it quickly spiraled into that because as I did lose weight, I got compliments. And no one before that had ever said anything mean about my body. No one has ever made any mean comments about my body now, but I got a lot of compliments and that felt really good. And I, even though I was trying to be healthy, I was miserable and I was sick and I didn't feel healthy, but the compliments made me think, well, I guess I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how that would lead you down this spiral, this obsession. And so, so tell me kind of how far did it go? Like 
how long did this go on? How drastic did it get? Kind of what was the rock bottom where you had some sort of wake up call? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I was not, people were not able to see how much I was struggling because it was hidden behind this guise of health. So I was calorie counting. I was weighing and measuring my food, but I was also very obsessed with the health of my food, the purity of my food. I could only eat certain foods and I would get really anxious if I couldn't eat um, my safe foods, the foods that felt comfortable. But what that meant is I was still sitting down three times a day with a plate full of food. I still had snacks. It looked like I was eating. I love to cook. Well, I love to cook. I liked to be in control of my food. Mm. So I was in the kitchen a lot. So it seemed like I was always around food, but I wasn't eating enough calories. You know, I, I kind of know those numbers still. I was eating probably a third of what my body really needed to function. So it would be like me eating one meal, a, one big meal a day now, even though it looked like I was sitting down with three meals of food. And when you're not fueling your body, when you're not getting enough to eat, your body doesn't have energy. So I was exhausted all of the time. I was cold. I was freezing all of the time. I bruised really easily. My hair was really thin. And it's interesting because that's the opposite of what we're told will happen when you eat healthy, right? Mm-hmm. You eat really good food. You're going to have lots of energy. Your skin's going to look great. Your hair is going to look great. My skin looked horrible because my hormones were all out of whack. Yeah. Yeah. You were eating maybe some of the right foods, but just not nearly enough of them. Enough. Yeah. And I'm curious, were you also exercising a lot or, or not at all? Or what, what was your relationship with exercise at that point? It was compulsive and obsessive because more is better, right? Exercise is a good thing. So probably the more that I do it, the better. Mm. And then the more calories I burn, the better. So I was working out hours a day. I couldn't skip a workout. So I would turn down events like with friends and family because I had to get in my workout. I didn't rest. And the thing is, exercise is stress on your body. It can be a good sort of stress. You know, your muscles, when they're under stress, they also get stronger. But it also, stress is also a negative thing. And so too much of it um, can just cause a lot of damage. And that's what happened. Yeah. It sounds like there, there can be the physical side of it, but I also hear you talking about when you mentioned, you know, having to cancel plans with friends and it sounds like your whole schedule revolved around your food and your, your exercise. And I think whether it's, whether we talk about food and exercise or or whether we talk about social media or whether we talk about like any one thing, when our life revolves around it, that doesn't feel healthy. So what I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to diet culture and how that played in specifically for you and, and what you see out in the world today and why is it problematic? Diet culture is a term, there isn't one definition, but I would define it as our system of beliefs around food and body. And a lot of it has to do with the morality of food and the morality of a specific body size. So this is a good food. This is a bad food. 
this is what a body looks like that's good. This is a body that's bad. And diet culture, just like anything in culture, shifts and changes. So when people hear the word diet, they might think of something like, you know, a few decades ago, it was the low fat, Atkins, Weight Watchers, you know, take this pill. And in a lot of ways, we've made progress. We realize, hey, those fad diets don't work. You know, no pill, no, um, you know, none, none of these like quick fixes, they don't work. They're not a quick fix. But diet culture has shifted and it's taken on what uh, Christy Harrison, she's kind of a thought leader in this area. She's a registered dietitian. She calls the wellness diet. Hmm. So you'll often hear the phrase, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change. Hmm. And I would argue that these are just diets by another name. When you hear Hmm. things like keto or paleo or Whole30, those are a lot of the same behaviors as diets of the past. It's similar behaviors with the same desired outcome, which is weight loss. We're just using different language. Yeah, totally hear you. And quick question, as someone who's never sought out to lose weight, but has needed to pursue health because otherwise she would live on McDonald's and Oreos, AKA myself. Um, Like for example, I've totally done whole 30 because people have said you can through that, you can start to see how much better you feel by eating good foods. So I've set out to do it. Not going to lie. I've only made it to whole nine day. Nine has been my breaking point. I've never gotten past it. And I've actually never tried since, but, um, I guess I'm asking, are there exceptions to what you're saying? Or do you stand by truly thinking like there's really not any reason someone should pursue these diets that are covered up by being called lifestyle changes? I'm just curious. No, I understand exactly what you're saying. Well, I think for you, you're saying you got to day nine. So obviously it wasn't very sustainable. Not for me. I don't have enough self-discipline apparently. (laughs) Well, and I, th- I think that is a lie that diet culture tells us is that the way that we eat and our body is willpower. Mm-hmm. It's under individual control. Our health is our choice. How we look is our decision. And in a lot of ways, that's not true. Body weight is genetic. That's good. Um, it's very heavily genetic. There is something called set point theory. Your body has, it's people say about a 30 pound range. 30 pounds is quite a bit, but in those 30 pounds, your body's naturally going to fall there. It's going to be healthy in that range. And your body's going to fight, fight you if you try and go outside of that, whether that's losing more or trying to get, go above that. That's a really good point. And I love that because I think you're actually starting to help me see and understand. For example, while I may appear thin and be in shape or healthy or whatever words you want to use, uh, acceptable for beauty standards, what, whatever, right? Put that out there. I can do squats all day long and I'm always going to have cellulite on my thighs and butt. It's genetic. There's nothing I could, I could stop eating McDonald's and work out every day. And I don't think that I'm ever going to get rid of that. And, and I think that's a part of what you're saying. Like we only have so much control. So this isn't all willpower. Cause if it was all willpower, I would do everything in my power to try to get rid of that, but I can't. And now I'm embracing it and I'm, I'm actually totally cool with it. But I think that comes with age and maturity and, uh, really saying, screw all these standards that exist, whoever created them, right. Kind of like moving past that. 
But I, but I love that you're bringing this up because I see so many women who are in, I actually see a lot of plus size. We call them plus size women. I don't know if that's appropriate, but that's like what they're referred to in magazines, right? If, oh, plus size or, or in the stores and they're beautiful and they look healthy. Like I'm not talking about someone who is on TLC's show for being so morbidly obese that they're, they're dying in their forties or they are being moved by a crane. I'm not referring to that while there's clearly medical stuff at play there. I'm referring to women who are just curvy, who are never, even if they ate all fruits and vegetables and they worked out every single day, or they tried all these different diets or keto or whatever lifestyle, they're always going to be more of a thick body type. It's beautiful. And I I love that we're, I feel like on my, from my perspective, we're making progress as a society, or I see it on social media where we're starting to like celebrate that and embrace that. But then I still see some people will randomly comment on that stuff and be like, Oh, this isn't healthy. Why are you celebrating it? And it's like, it, it makes my heart hurt because we're still judging health by what is on the outside. And whether we're talking physical health, like we are right now, or we're talking even emotional health, I mean, they're all intertwined, but like you cannot, I firmly believe you cannot, uh, tell how someone is doing by the outside, that it's not a good indication. Cause there have been moments in my life where I've looked the best and most put together and I was falling apart. And there have been other times where I look like today, a hot mess and I'm great. And I, I I'll get off my soapbox cause I want to get it back to you, but I want to talk about what you've been writing about and kind of where you're at now. I want to go there, which is that intuitive eating. Tell us about that. Tell me about what are our alternatives if we want to be healthy, but we don't want to be obsessed with health and we don't want to be consumed by dieting and exercising. What, what's the alternative? What have you found that works for you? Before we get to intuitive eating, I think something that I learned that has made me just totally rethink everything was what you were saying is there is this aesthetic of health and then there's actual health, actual health status. And there's a lot of data over decades. This is well-researched data that 95% of diets fail long-term. Intentional weight loss in whatever form, in whatever way, intentionally trying to lose weight, dieters will regain that weight and often more within five years. So if you are intentionally trying to lose weight, the most uh, probable outcome is that you're actually going to end up at a higher weight. Mm. So there's this idea that, okay, we think that weight loss is the answer, but it doesn't work. Our treatment for obesity is weight loss but the treatment doesn't really seem to work. So we need a different alternative. And there is a movement called health at every size. Hmm. And their framework for healthcare is that you can pursue health at any weight, at wherever you are on the weight spectrum. So it's looking, it's focusing on health promoting behaviors, not your BMI. Yeah. And one of the tools that they use is intuitive eating and intuitive eating is a 10 principle framework. And it focuses on looking at our internal cues as opposed to our external cues. You know, I believe that I was created, you know, by an intelligent creator and he created my body 
to be resilient and to be good and to function. And one of the tools that we're given is hunger. Diet culture likes to demonize hunger. What are ways that you can you know, suppress your hunger, ignore the hunger? But the thing is, that's just a signal that your body's running out of energy. We demonize like calories, but calories are energy. Your body needs calories. Preach. And so what intuitive eating does is helps you push away the external cues. It's not, you don't need to eat what that meal plan says you need to eat or how many calories that app says or what that person on Instagram posted that we can trust our body to tell us when we're hungry and when we're full and when we're satisfied. And I think the satisfaction factor is really important because here's the thing. Think about, okay, you really want pizza for dinner, but I need to be healthy. So I'm going to eat a salad. Guess what? That salad didn't really taste good. (laughs) And you're still thinking about the pizza. So then, but you're like, I got to eat something else. So I'm going to go eat an apple. Well, that apple isn't really pizza. It didn't really taste good. And so then you're just going to keep eating because what are you looking for? You're looking for satisfaction. Right. And so how can you create food that tastes good, that meets all your different needs, not just for energy, but also for pleasure? Food is meant to be pleasurable. That's a good thing. Yeah. And it's very... It's a lot more nuanced in that. If you're someone who has struggled with your relationship with food, buy the book. Um, There are great people on Instagram to follow. One caution would be intuitive eating has really blown up over even just the last five years that I have been aware of it. And like anything, as you know, as it gets broader and more people are aware, it starts to get watered down. Hmm. There's also a lot of misconceptions of what intuitive eating is. And so I would say go straight to the source, read the book. Um, But it is something, you know, I, I trust my body. I trust that my body was created well and I can pursue health that has nothing to do with my body weight because body weight isn't a good indicator of your health status. Yeah, no, it's so true. This is so good. And honestly, when you talk about intuitive eating, I I hadn't heard of it. I don't know anything about it. Again, I'm pretty uh, sheltered or naive when it comes to a lot of diet culture because I've, I think my mom instilled a lot of confidence in me. And then I've, I've never just that, that hasn't been my struggle, right? I've had plenty of other struggles that that hasn't been something that I've struggled a lot with. And what I, what I guess I want to bring up though, is the reality that, uh, in, in the church specifically, cause I know you and I have this in common as well, like with, with our beliefs, we often hear that our body is a temple and like, we need to take care of it. And, and I agree with that. I'm actually all for that. But at what point does it become an idol? At what point are we taking that out of context? Are we going too far with it? It's like, what are some indicators maybe that you could share with all of us listening for when we have become, when, when we have begun to idolize this or we've become too consumed by it, like what are some indicators we can watch out for? Well, on a broader, more emotional level, I think asking yourself, like, what do I value? Now, if I sit down, even in the midst of, you know, when I was in this real deep, I would have said, well, I value my family and I value my friends. Like that's, what's most important to me. But the way you spend your time reflects your values. And at the time, I would turn down events with friends to go work out. 
I couldn't focus at a meal with my family because I was so just anxious about the food in front of me. So what do I value there? I'm valuing my fitness and my food more than I'm valuing the people. And that's not, that doesn't mean that you can't or you shouldn't care about the food that you eat or, you know, moving your body. But when you are so anxious about eating that you're turning down cake at a birthday party, that you're turning down events with your friends, that you can't think about anything else, then it becomes, for me, it was a control issue. That was something that I could control. Hmm. And so, and it became ultimately something that made me really selfish Mm. because I didn't have the time or the capacity to care about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and it's interesting because when you were talking a little bit about intuitive eating and again, as someone who doesn't know much about it, didn't do research on this, just was excited to show up and have this conversation with you. When I think about the word intuitive, it, it seems very aligned with how God created us. For example, uh, I, I know that when I look at my, look back at my day, and this is very convenient because we're all stuck at home right now. So again, this might not apply for everyone, but I've been stuck at home because I'm also self-employed and I just work from home. So obviously everyone's lifestyle is different. Um, but that being said, when I look back at a day, I eat when I'm hungry, typically what sounds good or, you know, I, I try to keep healthy options around. Like today it's like, I could have gone for a bag of Doritos or I could go for yogurt with granola. And I went for the yogurt with granola because I know like I want to be, I just want to make a healthy choice. But I guess my point is I don't track anything. I certainly don't. I've had so many people say, how do I make my body look like yours? I'm like, well, I work out. I eat when I feel hungry. I, I, I don't know. I feel like we can kind of overcomplicate it. And then again, the problem lies with wanting our body to look like somebody else's. Because my size, and I forget that word that you use, but that range that I'm in might be very different from the range that you're in. And my bone structure, my height, my muscle mass, all of that, I'm sure comes into play. And so I know I, I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I'll just say that becoming pregnant and experiencing changes in my body that I'm not used to has definitely brought about a part of me that I'm not used to, which is starting to look to the left and to the right for comparison and being like, Oh, does my 16 week bump look too big compared to, you know, is it, am I showing too much or just different things like that, which is very new to me, but I'm thankful for going through it because I'm, I may be getting a glimpse or a taste of what many women experience throughout their entire life. Um, but what I will say is the first thing I did was started taking breaks from social media, uh, muting some different accounts that started to make my head spiral. And I'm just trying to listen to my body and follow it. And, and even to your point about the pizza, that story actually resonates a lot because I have also heard pregnant or not that sometimes what your body's craving, there's something in that, that it needs. So it's like, why would you not give your body that maybe your body needs those carbohydrates? I, I don't know, but those are just my ramblings, my thoughts. I'm not a professional. Um, I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about outside of intuitive eating, other pieces of advice you have for someone who feels like they've continued to be lured in by diet culture, they want to break free from this, 
and how you come to accept yourself. How do you come to accept the body that God gave you and not measure it against these unrealistic, oftentimes cultural beauty standards? For me, something that was very helpful was looking at science. You know, when, because there's a lot of feelings about, you know, body and food and trying to break free of that can cause a lot of emotion. And for me, it was really good to go to learn these things like, hey, 95% of diets don't work. Here's a lot of science that says weight isn't as connected to health, that I can be healthy outside of that. And, you know, maybe you can link, I can send you a link to just some really basic, like scientific research papers um, for anyone who's interested in that. So kind of learning, reading the book, Health at Every Size, reading intuitive eating, going that there are other options that are factual, that isn't just about my feelings. And then the other thing was, there's a lot of talk, like social media is a lot of self-love, like love your body, you know, stand like affirmation, say the things that you love about your body, which if that's helpful for you, that's great. But for me, it wasn't because it was like, well, I don't love anything about my body. Mm. But what I started to, it was kind of a fake it till you make it thing. But I was like, you know what? I can't change how I look. I can't. It is out of my control. And so I had to start looking at myself very neutrally. This is just how I look. It's not good. It's not bad. I don't love it. I don't hate it. There's not, it doesn't matter how I feel because I can't do anything. Hmm. And when I stopped trying to force, um, trying to fight my body and trying to force it to change, I was able to make decisions that actually truly made me feel good. Hmm. Like when it comes to fitness, you know, asking yourself questions like, would I still do this if I knew my body wasn't going to change? That's a, that's good. That's really good. So I was running at the time. I hated running, hated it, but I did it because I thought I was supposed to. And so for me, the answer was no, but guess what? I do CrossFit now because that's fun. And here's the thing. My body, I've been doing CrossFit for years. My body hasn't changed. I've gotten stronger. I've gotten faster. I've built endurance. My athletic performance has improved, but my body looks the same. Hmm. I do it because it's fun because I feel good after. Yeah. There's so much more depth to it than just trying to lose weight or to fit into a certain size. Yeah. So I think learning, learning the system, all the systems at play, you know, what is, what's cultural? What's something that we've accepted as fact, but maybe isn't, for example, being thin is healthy. That's not actually a fact. So what can you do to help kind of unlearn those diet culture lies? And then also if I can maybe not love my body, but if I can accept, if I can respect my body, you know, I don't love how I look now. I don't hate how I look. I really don't think about how I look all that much. It's not consuming you. Yeah. It's not consuming. And I'm able to care about things that are frankly much more important. Now there's basic self-care things that you need to do to live a productive life, right? eat fruits and vegetables, move your body. Those are good things. But I eat when I'm hungry. 
And then when I'm full, I don't think about food and I'm able to think about other things until I get hungry later. And then I eat and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but, but yet we have acknowledged there's, there's a lot at play here. This is really complex, but you've done a really great job in just a short conversation giving us something to think about and to chew on and to really self-reflect. Another question that comes to my mind, in addition to the one that you posed, which I loved, which was, would I still be doing this if my body isn't going to change? I mean, that can apply to exercise. That can apply to what you're eating. That can apply to uh, obviously a number of things. But I mean, when, when we're trying to lose weight, I think we really need to ask ourselves, why? Is it because the doctor told us we have high cholesterol and if we don't change our diet, we're going to be like, we're, we're potentially going to be at risk and die young, or are we trying to lose weight because we just really want to be the same size as that girl or wear that size pants just because we like the size on that tag, which is so silly. I mean, I've found, this is just like a little side note, but I have found that sizing up in all my clothes. I just, I feel so much better. I don't know why for so long I was like, I need to stay this size that I was in high school. And so I would continue to buy that size and I could make it work. I could button it. But then I like, my husband was making fun of me because in the car, I would always like unbutton my pants and be like, Oh, my pants are so tight. And then one day I was like, I should just start buying my pants one size up so that I don't have to unbutton them the minute we're like not around people. And so I sized up and everything and now I'm so comfortable. And honestly, my body hasn't really changed. It's just comfort, but we get so consumed by a size on a tag. It's ridiculous. Well, that's a really good tip. Buy clothes that fit. Because here's the thing, maybe you can fit into it, but then if your pants are tight, you're always going to be thinking about, oh my goodness, my pants are tight. So then is, am I too large? But if your clothes fit, your clothes fit and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's good. And you know, the motives, right? That's so important. But even what you were saying about high cholesterol, there is as intuitive eating and health at every size has, is becoming more mainstream, more research is being done. And correlation is different than causation. So higher weight is correlated with certain diseases, but that doesn't mean they're caused. And so there are other health behaviors, things that you can do to improve your cholesterol that have nothing to do with weight loss. Yeah. That, you know, you can, because losing weight is not only not super effective long-term, but that can cause a lot of stress and anxiety. And there's this risk of you know, that I experienced of going down this rabbit hole. And so you can find ways to improve your health without changing how you look. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Maybe, maybe we just need to focus more on that separation, that distinction between health and Mm -hmm. our appearance, uh, because they, they don't always line up. Uh, and actually I would say very rarely do they line up, but I also hear, again, I want to look into this more, but it just sounds like intuitive eating goes back to the basics of before we had all this technology and these apps and all these things, and we were consumed by it all, you know, it's like, what did they do hundreds of years ago when they didn't have scales? They only had fresh food from like at their, you know, it's not like they had these special diet bars or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it sounds like, let's just go back to the basics. Let's not be consumed by this. Let's enjoy what God's given us on this earth and live and enjoy our life. Um, so I'm probably way oversimplifying it. I do not, that is not on behalf of intuitive eating. I'm just saying that's like already from our conversation, a lot of my perception of it. Yeah, that's the basics. And one common people who don't totally understand it, that is a 
criticism of intuitive eating is they're saying, well, we can't live like we used to because now we have fast food and all this added sugar. And, and what I would say to that is we've lost trust in our body and we've lost the ability to be aware of the signals because mm-hmm. we're listening to so many outside things. When we listen to outside signals, that dampens the internal signals. So there's a common theme that I think a lot of people experience on a really small scale, which is the restrict binge pendulum. Mm. We hear a lot about emotional eating. I overeat when I'm stressed. And it's this really cyclical nature where, okay, so I am... I ate a lot last night, you know, but I'm going to get, I'm going to start being healthy in the morning. So I eat my bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, my salad for lunch, and it didn't really taste good. It didn't really fill me up, but it was fine. And then I get home from work or school and man, I'm really stressed out. And I sit down and I eat a ton of chips and then I eat ice cream. And then I realize, oh my goodness, I ate all this unhealthy food. And it's because I was so stressed and now you feel guilty. So I feel guilty tomorrow. I got to get back on track and then it starts over and where diet culture and kind of culture tries to break the cycle is they say, well, you need to manage your stress in a different way. You need to portion out your food so you don't eat too much. But what if that overeating wasn't a response to the emotion? What if it was a response to the fact that you hadn't eaten very much during the day? that you were actually hungry, not stressed. You were stressed, but that's not why you ate. You ate because your body's smart and it knew it needed energy. And chips are carbs and carbs give you quick energy. Right, right. Yeah, I love this because you're kind of flipping the script. You're saying, let's look at this from a different perspective. And, And it's crucial because there are so many people that at this point are just consumed with, with, by all of this. So my hope is that, um, I should have mentioned that you are studying to be a nurse. You um, are clearly extremely passionate about this and we'll make sure that people know how to be in touch with you, how to check out intuitive eating and healthy health at every size. Um, all of that will link in the show notes, but, um, I just want to thank you because I think you've brought a, a really great perspective. And I know I've said things in other episodes, um, referring to, uh, there was an episode specifically that I'll mention where I referred to, I was really frustrated with Christians, uh, really just beating people up over homosexuality and the different interpretations of scripture on that. And I mentioned, especially like when I see these very overweight pastors and I'm like, well, they don't care about that issue. And I, I just want to make it clear and put it on the record that when I said that I am, I am just talking about how, uh, in the Bible, it does talk about the sin of gluttony and that in no way is my intention ever to fat shame or to promote diet culture or to, to be part of this problem that I, that I am aware exists. So I just wanted to put that out there as well, just as we wrap up for listeners, if you know which episode I'm talking about, hopefully, you know, my heart, you know what I mean by that. Um, but I also want to make it very, very clear that I do not believe that thin is health. Um, and that's exactly what we tried to dismantle in this conversation. And Annalise, you brought a lot of wisdom. I'm super excited for people to check out, um, these different resources and to connect with you as they enter this journey of hopefully pursuing health in a way that is, um, in a way that isn't consuming in a way that can honor God, that they can honor God with their bodies. Um, 
and enjoy life all at the same time that we don't have to choose. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.